Thank you. Thank you. This is Immerse, the podcast in book. We are delighted to have you join us. Immerse is produced by Charlie Morrow, Sean McCann, and Bart Plantinga for Morrow Sound, Vermont, and Helsinki, and Recital Edition, Los Angeles. Immerse. 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 Colorado, and um, he has worked for many years with the Gates Planetarium at the uh, Denver Museum of Nature and Science. And he is a very talented media person. He's an engineer, and he's the founder, with several others, of the organization Immersa. Dan and his colleagues saw the future around 2001 when they were in a project to upgrade the planetarium to uh, a new and extraordinary advanced form over where it had been. And uh, sound was one of the uh, areas that they got very interested in. And that's where my paths crossed with them as a composer and sound designer for a project with uh, Gunnar Villa, the uh, Danish animator. We created work together uh, for the planetarium and I developed a relationship uh, with Dan and uh, several of the other engineers and uh, with Kachun Yu, who was the uh, person interviewed in the previous Immerse series. Dan and Kachun were instrumental in opening up my mind about immersivity. I had always worked in immersive media, but uh, without using the word immerse. So it was intriguing to me that they saw how uh, an experience in which one was completely immersed or enclosed would become a kind of a way of looking at a stage of production and a stage of perception. Uh, they both wrote extensively about it. Kachun's written a, a marvelous treatise on the pre-technological history of immersive experience. Uh, we are making that available as a download and uh, will be published in the book version of Immerse with Charlie Morrow. And uh, Dan has um, written extensively about production and um, he has his own uh, lovely view in particular in his piece the language of immersive cinema and so um, they led me to feel that we're all immersed from prehistory to now and that successive experience bubbles driven by technological shifts actually disruptions have become shared realities when you think about it um, hand signals and then sounds and then what evolved as speech and what evolved as music each one of those is a different layer on how it is that any species and particular humans communicate fire completely changed our history as we know and uh, handwriting of various sorts evolved the language to the point where it was uh, storable and random access and could be gotten to individually and uh, hence it could live way longer than its creator. Uh, same for painting uh, and sculpture, object making, architecture. All of this went through a rapid series of cultural collisions until modern technology of electricity began to change all of that. Before electricity, one only heard sound or saw something if it was in your vicinity. 
And you might have seen some writing or a painting which was portable, but uh, nothing beyond a book really would carry that kind of density of information. And then suddenly with electricity, we began to um, capture images and over time and capture audio over time. And beyond that came electronic transmissions. Could send what you've got to another location and you could store it. And the storage was of course accessible, much like a book, a recording, a sound recording, a, a film, all would allow you to see it again. With digitalization, uh, it was suddenly storable in space-efficient packages. And then with virtualization, we have even further expansion of these bubbles. In, in the course of all of this, um, I had been inspired years ago by running into the likes of uh, Michael Gerzon. Uh, Gerzon is the inventor of 3D sound and of modern digital sound algorithms. And um, Gerzon had seen a way to take and recreate space in recordings. And very much uh, the work in planetariums done by Kachun Yu and Dan Navis completely mobilized a whole group of us and uh, served through annual meetings and communications and uh, a variety of learning sessions to start to educate a community about itself, mixed community of creators, of content creators, of technology, ideas, people talking about the philosophy of it, people talking about the economics of it, accessibility of it for different layers of society. So suddenly, immersivity is a big subject, and hence, uh, as you can imagine, uh, Dan and Continue sponsored uh, thoughts that led to um, this series and my own work as a composer in immersive environments. So I'm very pleased to um, introduce Dan, and he'll talk a little bit about what got him into this work and, uh, and where it's led him to now. Uh, Dan would uh, invite people to a convention to share their thoughts, uh, share their technology, and he had enough good business sense to be able to get vendors to pay fees in order to float the adventure, and um, has kept it going. There's a celebration now going on in Montreal, and this is 20 years since Dan and I met. I'm pleased to be speaking there on the uh, creation of um, immersive sound, because um, I would never have had my hands on a planetarium to experiment with um, had it not been for Dan. Uh, years before, uh, the poet Jerome Rothenberg and I, with Carolee Schneemann, performance artist, uh, poet, and uh, visual artist, created a piece for the Hayden Planetarium, which never got off the ground. It was written, and uh, we talked to the right people, but then somehow it never happened. And it turns out that it's very, very hard to get time in the dome of a planetarium. And part of the R&D that's really essential is hearing the work that you might do offline in the planetarium. I think you have heard the wonderful interview uh, with Monica Bolas. I met Monica through the Immersa uh, operation so more than 10 years ago. Uh, Monica had been a student and became a full professional sound engineer and um, sound designer and a sound artist. Uh, she's working right now with our committee in the International Planetarium Society's um, Immersivity Committee on a survey of the audio experience of the entire dome industry and of other aspects of audio, uh, finding out what equipment people use, how they think about it, what the likelihood of um, expansion of thought, funding, and just uh, kind of stirring the pot, getting good information to 
to grow in the community. And all of this is a kind of end result of, uh, of Dan's efforts. So thank you very much, Dan. And I'm very pleased to have you on Immerse. You've really uh, sparked us. You've lit the fuse that led to this explosion. Thanks so much for being with us. I think we're connected. Great. You have agreed to be part of this uh, project Immerse because you are, if anybody, Mr. Immerse. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, not, not just because you work with immersivity, but because uh, it's been a force that you've been reckoning with for a very long time. And uh, so for my project, which is a combination of a book, a podcast, and a online educational resource. I'm doing a series of interviews with my collaborators and uh, other people in the field and asking two questions. Um, one question is, uh, what is your practice and involvement with immersivity present time? And the other is, since we have a timeline, uh, the inspiration for the structure comes from Kachun's analysis and description of uh, immersivity prior to computers. And so that has a nice timeline in it. So I've asked everybody who I interview to give me a timeline of either where they started from and how they got to where they are or where they are going backwards. Oh, great. I'm a, kind of a, a linear and chronological kind of guy, so I might start with the start. That would be terrific. So uh, tell me, where where did it all begin, Dan Nephis? That's an, an interesting question. So in, in terms of personal inspiration and really understanding the relationship between advanced audio video and the audience, we'll flash back quite a ways to the um, early 1970. Um, in that period, there was a lot going on with music and visuals and rock and roll and such. I was interested in photography back in those days, but at an, a very early stage through witnessing, oh, some, some concerts, I think a few years after that, it would have been a little later in the 70s, I saw Genesis, um, a few other shows. I actually saw Jethro Tull, I believe, in 72. But the piece that was, was sticking in my mind all these years is the relationship between the performer the audience, the video, and the audio. And I, I, I call it a dance between them to where there's somebody or, or groups of people involved in choreographing the relationship and the timing of those things. And when done well, um, it, it, it's captivating. And that form of immersivity is as much about the both the, the really high level of performance, but also the, the coordination choreography between the light and the sound. What you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling moves your mind in kind of to a different realm. Now, admittedly, back in those days, there was some chemical enhancement to my memories. But the piece that, you know, I carry with me today is, you know, you don't need mind altering, you know, drugs or experience to to have your mind altered and move into another state. And that that's the piece that I really like. So through the years in, in both my study and my curiosity and my hobbies, 
anything related to, to those types of experiences, um, advanced music, dimensional sound, photography, 3D photography, immersive photography, performance arts, visiting you know, the Pink Floyd traveling tour in, in Quad, I think that was in like the 1980s. Anything in that list has got my interest. And I've been fortunate through that time also to find ways to, to, to make a living in that. In, in photography in the early days, uh, doing band rock and roll reinforcement. My wife and I managed a company, Unique Light and Sound Inc., where we provided a number of staging light and sound environments. And this would be in the 1980s. Those days, the idea of, of immersive entertainment was a, a pretty new and, and fresh kind of an idea. And we developed quite a portfolio and reputation in the Denver area and actually made a living at it that was you know, pretty decent. Uh, projecting, you know, light and sound and, and using pre-digital technologies to create entire audio and video environments for large groups. And concurrent with that, I was learning and working in the digital planet or in the planetarium, which in those days uh, from 1980 all the way up until 2000 was in an analog realm. We didn't really have that much of the, the digital opportunity. So I cut my teeth on all of the related analog technologies, um, everything from you know slide projection to oh you know two-channel, four-channel sound, multi-channel systems, uh, the 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 mixing and the audio and the tech involved in all those pieces. So from from that outline trail, I give you nearly 40 years worth of curiosity and experimentation. That you know, I'm kind of addicted to this stuff. That's marvelous to follow follow that that through, and um, it seems like. Um your understanding of immersivity specifically is the uh, layering of media in order to create a coherent uh, and powerful experience and, 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 and uh, you know to, uh, where people attend an event uh, of one sort or another uh, in person because uh, they get something unique uh, in that space that they couldn't get accepted in a similar space <laughs> so um, emphasize um, again too that you know when, when we look at this as an overall and pragmatically it's much moving away from the space and the tech and in my mind moving much more towards the um, the, the the coordination and performance aspect the the you know whole phrasing and idea of immersivity goes all the way back to storytelling and campfires that certainly we all have memories of um, simply the oral painting a picture in your mind and moving into that imaginary space is just as powerful a, a memory and a you know in, in impactful experience as the high tech today and say a VR headset. So the, the, the piece that's key in this really comes back to the story and the technique and, and that's really more where my focus is. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think uh... In your contemporary practice, uh, you've been, um, you know, interested in educating people and building community, and that's, I think, a, a very unique role that you've played for for the world in in, in stimulating Immersa through Immersa. And so, I wanted to wonder if you could speak a little to that and and your hopes for that. I'd be happy to. My work with an organization that we set up now 10 years ago 
and goes by the acronym IMERSA, I-M-E-R-S-A, which is a, um, a condensed version of immersive media, entertainment, research, science, and art. And this came about while I was attending a full dome video festival, it's been about 14, 15 years ago, where there was a, a gathering of very early experimental artists playing with the digital dome and the full dome environment down in Albuquerque. And David Bining was the pioneer pushing this and getting it together. And I realized that there was a, an international community of folks that were experimenting with imagery and sound on the dome beyond which I had ever seen or even imagined before. And his efforts, as, as well as others, to put together a, a gathering and an early festival to compare the um, short films was a, a really pining effort that, that opened the door to many, many other festivals and things that have followed that. But for me personally, I, I recognized a couple things. One was that the um, need for sharing knowledge and professional development was expanding exponentially, that the technologies and the techniques were um, moving so quickly that very few people really understood what was possible and what was there. And I wanted to play a role in not only trying to understand it better myself, but come up with a mechanism for um, others to be aware of what was possible in these environments. The second part that was in a really kind of the, the aha moment, if you will, a producer by the name of Robin Sipp, who's put together many, many wonderful full-blown films, posed the question is, does anybody bother to write down any of this stuff in terms of technique and standards and formats and the rest? And among the group and the rest of the room, there was no response. And, and what it revealed was that there was a lot of very exciting independent and ad hoc effort, um, but many people working independently rather than working together. And I set out um, with the help of several other people to try to codify some of this work and to see if we perhaps could form a, um, an organization or a website or you know, some kind of a mechanism to um, not, at the very least you know, share the stories and the information, but hopefully move forward um, some good decisions about um, processes and techniques. And we're, we're still working on this. It is not an easy task. But Immersa today um, has held an, an annual summits um, for the last 10 years and, and have expanded to um, international meetings and groups trying to pull people together. We did uh, Immersa Day in um, Czech Republic this year exploring some ideas in, in, in Japan and in Canada. The idea there is the more international this conversation, the more depth we have to the, the techniques and the skill set and, and the expanding community. The two things that are, are really our goal, one of them is to um, push our, our counterparts as much as possible to raise the bar in, in both their production technique, but also the audience experience component to, to, to really focus on what people are experiencing in the dome and to have that be something positive and at the very least that they want to experience again. At the very best, it, it's a life-changing moment um, for them like it was to me decades ago. And you continue, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of pushing and exemplifying and sharing examples of that at these different um, gatherings and meetings that we do. 
The second piece is the codifying of the process. We have several different uh, committees and teams working together to uh, establish, I'll use the word standards, but it's really a best practice um, about how to use and share the technology the most efficiently. And I'll address that a little bit more in a moment, but at this point, um, there's a, a varying number of, of folks in the community between our social network and our active network, somewhere around a thousand people generally involved in communicating in these things regularly through a variety of different Facebook groups and website groups and uh, independent meetings. And we, we try to cross connect and cross pollinate um, all of those conversations as much as we can. Well, that's a very clear explanation. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate being able to talk to you about all of this and uh, many thanks. Oh, you're most welcome on that. Happy to answer any of the questions you have or have we covered most of what you intended? I think you covered most most of what, what I intended, given me the building block that I need since I'm building a, a, a series of interviews that cover different aspects of it. I think that you're, you're ver you were very clear and I very much applaud your con conciseness I appreciate that since I was working without good notes. It was a bit off the top of my head, so that's good news. Thanks. We'll be back to each other soon and uh, wish you a good weekend and uh, my best to you, to your wife. To talk to you soon. And likewise to you, Charlie. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye-bye now. Bye now. is Immerse, the podcast and book. We are delighted to have you join us. Immerse is produced by Charlie Morrow, Sean McCann, and Bart Plantenga for Morrow Sound, Vermont and Helsinki, and Recital Edition, Los Angeles. Immerse. 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 Immerse.